question. <laughs> All right. Hey, guys, and welcome to Meaty Medicine, uh, where it's just two guys sitting down and chewing the fat about the meatiest concepts in medicine. I'm Kaven, and fortunately for you, I'm not alone. I'm here with my uh, fellow med student, Dwayne Quadros. Hey, good morning, big fella. Good morning. How are we doing? How are we doing? Uh, mate, I'll tell you what, I am exultant at the moment. Wow. Uh, wow. Yes. Yes. Why is uh, that? Why is well, that? I, I think you know, Dwayne, we, we just finished our exams, and yes. while... I think that exam was particularly uh, nebulous. There were quite a few, <laughs> you know, rather <laughs> tricky questions in there. Um, yeah. I'm just glad it's over. What about yourself? Um, you know, you know, in life they tell us it's not the destination, it's the journey. Um, well, yesterday's <laughs> exam, mate, it was, a, it was an uphill journey and the destination was hell. It was um, nebulous. It sounds about right. Sounds about right. I think... Uh, I think uh, I would have used other four-letter words starting with S and ending with T, <laughs> um, but uh, but we're not gonna we're not gonna say that on uh, for our for all our listeners. But mate, freedom is good, isn't it? Freedom is so good. Exactly, exactly. So um, I think we've resolved though, just to keep um, on top of things, to kind of do a episode every you know every now and then. Yeah. Uh, just to, because I don't know, I don't know about you. I really enjoy just sitting down and having a chat with you. So, oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I think, and I think the 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 biggest fear, I guess, for us, and that was part of the initial conversation and in starting this, is that next year we're going to be in the hospitals, you know, and mm. uh, and a lot of our peers who are first year are going to be in the hospitals, and and we just want to have these meaty concepts mm. uh, locked down, you know. So I think this is. Uh, it's literally, to be honest, this is literally us just keeping these topics fresh in our head, but happening to press the recording button. And if we can uh, disseminate some of our, our some of our uh, uh, unfounded wisdom uh, <laughs> and, and just general inaccuracies on people and, and strained metaphors, and I feel there might be one of those today, um, then then all the better. Then all the better. And this is uh, the the uh, the non watertight nature of current Spotify rules that allows. Two two Tweedle Dumb and Tweedle Dumb over here to come and and do a podcast. But no, I'm excited, mate. What are we serving up on the grill of education today? Um, well, I was rather excited to talk to talk about Cushing syndrome, if yes, you are. Yes, I All am right. a gog, a gog with excitement. <laughs> All right. Well, I think before we jump into the pathology, we need to make sure we're on top of the normal physiology. Yeah. So I think we should just start off talking about the normal role of cortisol, which yes. is the star of the show today, a yes. very important hormone. Yeah. Um, so do you want to tell me a little bit about cortisol, Dwayne? Yeah, mate. Uh, and look, we're going to go into the production and stuff of cortisol later, but just to get straight into the meat of cortisol... Um, it's got multiple functions, mate, but I like to think of the uh, mnemonic, which, by the way, I only realized mnemonic yesterday didn't have a silent P at the start of it for some reason, like spelt with an M, whereas I thought, you know, like pneumonia has a P on the start. And then I saw this word and I'm like, what in the earth is this? Uh, but it happens to be mnemonic. Anyway, we start off with immune crusher. That's going to be our thing we're working with today, but not the whole, you know, however many 11, 12 letters. 
we're taking the IMM from the immune and we're taking the C from the crusher, okay, immune crusher. So the first thing, true to name, cortisol is has immunosuppressive effects. It has immunosuppressive effects and, and quite quite um, sort of simply how it does it, Kevin, is mm-hmm. that we've got, you know, heaps of proteins and, and, and genes for proteins in our in our body, in our normal human constitution. Now, some of these proteins are anti-inflammatory, so they're going to turn down the inflammatory process, and some of these proteins are pro-inflammatory. They're going to turn up uh, the inflammatory process. So big picture, meaty, cortisol activates those proteins which are anti-inflammatory. They're going to upregulate the expression of these anti-inflammatory proteins, one of these being the inhibitor of kappa B, kappa B alpha. And on the other side, whilst it's turning up the anti-inflammatory, it's going to double down on that effect by turning down your pro-inflammatory uh, genes, uh, for example, mm-hmm. your NF-kappa B. So the first I in immune crusher, just think about immune crusher just in itself as a concept, turning up the expression of anti-inflammatory proteins, turning down the expression of the genes of pro-inflammatory proteins. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. because um, cortisol is a steroid hormone, right? So its mm. mechanism of action is it, you know, it doesn't, doesn't mess around. It goes, it, it goes deep into the cell, gets into, oh, actually, I don't know if it goes into the nucleus. I can't remember, but it's definitely modifying the transcription of protein. Yes, yes. What yes. you were saying. Yes. Um, okay. So the next effect of cortisol in our little mnemonic thing, immune crusher. Mm. Uh, so if we move on to the M, um, this is, I think the more important of the M's is the metabolic property. Mm. of cortisol and that's the idea that it mobilizes glucose for your central system and i think the way i like to think about this is um since cortisol is often released in a stress response Mm. uh it's kind of your body's way of being like okay i'm stressed right now i need to mobilize energy so all the metabolic effects it activates the goal of such is essentially to get energy and glucose into your um bloodstream so all these metabolic effects are things like it upregulates gluconeogenesis so that's the production of glucose from like stores in your liver um it uh upregulates like lipolysis um so it's breaking down fats from your stores so that can then be converted to energy it upregulates um muscle breakdown as well because then it'll use that protein to convert to energy so yeah you've just got this massive mobilization of energy uh, for your central system and um another kind of way it achieves that is through it kind of promotes insulin (laughs) resistance so (laughs) it um uh the idea is it it's trying to keep all the glucose in the bloodstream. So what it does is it stops your peripheral cells actually taking up glucose. And it does that by making those cells slightly insulin resistant. So mm-hmm. now your muscles and adipose tissue aren't uh, taking the glucose out of your bloodstream, essentially. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, I think just to keep things simple with the metabolic properties of cortisol, just think, Think of all the processes that would get you glucose in your bloodstream. And that's yes. essentially 
what um, insulin does. Mm. Do you agree with that, Jack? That was great. That was great. And I think at the sort of midway juncture of what cortisol does, what we want people to think about is that we're talking about in normal circumstances, what mm. under homeostatic regulation, what is cortisol's effect on the body? Because mm. when we start talking about cushions, we're going to be, if, if we nail down this, what it's normal, then the abnormal manifestations of this and what we're going to see in our patient is going to make sense because it just flows on from this, isn't it? So that's the thing that we want people to remember is the fact that we're not, uh, I mean, we do love the sound of our own timber voices, but this is not the reason. This is not the sole reason why we're doing this. We're going into the normal because you've got to appreciate the normal before you see the abnormal and you understand mm-hmm. the abnormal. So so continuing with that, Kevin, absolutely right. And the next M, the next M actually stands for uh, mineralocorticoid properties, mineralocorticoid. Yeah. And um, basically what we're thinking about when we think mineralocorticoid is you think about uh, one, of, one of cortisol's neighbors in terms of where cortisol is released in the adrenal glands, its neighboring region releases something called aldosterone, uh, which is the the captain, uh, the the king of the mineralocorticoids. <laughs> now, now, it's not saying that it's releasing aldosterone, but because these two are neighbors, as it happens, cortisol is is, is quite structurally analogous, or it's got a mm. similar structure. They're a bit like cousins, I don't know, but but there's a bit of inbreeding going on. So there's there's a bit of there's something. I mean, it's more than just you know distant cousins; they're very intimate cousins. But <laughs> but essentially, in uh, cortisol can mimic the effects of what aldosterone would do because it can bind to aldosterone's receptors at high mm-hmm. concentration because they have structural structural similarities, structural mm-hmm. commonalities. So one of the main things, I guess, in this part of what cortisol's function is, is that it can play a role in promoting water retention. Mm-hmm. If we remember aldosterone as part of the RAS system when we talk about renal physiology, aldosterone is going to promote reabsorption of sodium and then the water follows through Think about the same thing that at high concentrations, cortisol is able to do the same by binding to those mineralocorticoid uh, receptors. So essentially, it's kind of like your cousin rocking up at your house and parking in your parking bay, essentially. Yes. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. That's it. That's it. (laughs) Very loosely. Again, poor metaphor. (laughs) Mistakes, look, mate, but mistakes can happen, can't they? I mean, mistakes can happen. I'm going to take just 20 seconds to tell you about the time when I was was grafting a girl, actually, from church. She was a beautiful girl. I was about year 11 or 12, and she had, unbeknownst to me, an identical twin sister. So the the day I went to ask her out, this particular girl, I'm not going to shame her, uh, when I went to ask her out, it was the actual other sister. And, mate, they wore their hair the same way. It was one of those things because we were like Indian twins. So they're like, instead of instead of promoting uniqueism, mate, we're just going to buy two pairs of everything for our kids, right? Mate, I asked the wrong twin sister out. And, look, I mean, the funny story of that is she said yes, the twin. Oh, my so, God. Yep, yep. There was a lot of game back then, mate. Like, I was, I was a crooked god. But just to let you know, long story short, I'm not going to go into just the absolute uh, – absolute, uh, dumpster fire that is my romantic life but just to say that mistakes happen under the best of times 
Dwayne, I'm so glad you've told me that. Wow. And what do you mean back then? You've still got the game, mate. You've definitely yeah, look, but, uh, but, but if anything, that promoted my use of glasses more regularly um, <laughs> because I picked the wrong twin sister. I mean, it wouldn't have made a difference, but there we go. There we Did go. it work out? How, yeah, she said yes, mate. No, we, we had a good run, mate. We had a good run. Yeah. Uh, we had a good run uh, about, about, well, about uh, seven weeks, which back then was a lifetime. Uh, yeah, we watched exactly. the movies together. We... We held hands, um, and I kissed her on the cheek and then started crying. So, yeah, it was good. Wow. Yep. What a gent. What yep. a gent. Okay. <laughs> Moving on from that. Um, so, we had Immune Crusher, right? So, we yep. had the I, the N, the M, and now we're jumping the rest of Immune to Crusher. So, we're yep. just talking about the C. So, I, M, M, T. For C, it's catecholamine sensitivity. And that sounds mm. confusing, mm. but all that means is it kind of augments the effects of catecholamines on specifically your alpha one receptors. So again, I don't know if that clarified that that much, but basically all it does <laughs> is um you have alpha one receptors all over your arterioles in your body. Mm. Um so and what happens is when they're stimulated. Uh, it makes the smooth muscle in your arterioles contract. So you can see how that would increase your blood pressure. So yep. um, what this sneaky cortisol does is it, wor- it works on your alpha-1 receptors and makes them more sensitive. Mm-hmm. So when the kind of sympathetic hormones, so noradrenaline and adrenaline that normally act on the alpha-1 receptors come along, the alpha one receptors are really receptive, like they're mm. ready to go. Um, mm. So mm. they're kind of more hyper. It makes your vessels more eager to contract, I guess. Yeah. So uh, you can see how in Cushing's, which we'll talk about later, if you have too much cortisol, um, that can start becoming problematic in terms of your blood pressure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think those are the... That's the real meat of cortisol. Yes, I, it has a lot yes. of other little effects, but I yep. think if you if you can remember IMMC, mm. uh, you're mm. definitely golden. This would have helped in the exam yesterday, didn't it? This would have <laughs> this would have helped in the exam, but that's all right. No crying over spilt milk on media medicine. We don't do that here. <laughs> um, so, mate, now that was brilliant. IMMC, uh, and I must say, Kevin, I really enjoy the fact that you you really subscribe to the new monarch life. Like oh, I think I, I really respect it, um, mm. and I think it works. I think it works, and, and this is something that will work. Um, mate, so now we talked about the normal roles, but let's quickly, quickly just go in, and we all know how you like mnemonics, but another thing you like, starting with the word M, uh, which I found out mnemonic is spelt with M if you missed that <laughs> earlier, guys, is metaphors. Now, <laughs> now we want to talk about this control feedback homeostatic <laughs> axis that 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 sort of uh, runs runs the show when cortisol is produced or not produced. So do you have, uh, you know, in that oven of your mind, can, do you have a fresh batch of cookies that spell metaphor for the HPA axis that is going to help <laughs> us really get the message across today? Mate, I actually do have a little bit of a metaphor for the <laughs> HPA axis that arose out of necessity for understanding the causes of Cushing's, which we'll Mm. talk about later. But just with the HPA axis, this is essentially um, the chain of command for the production line of cortisol. Mm. So the way I like to think about it is kind of like a factory in that 
there are kind of three levels of command in the production of this cortisol. Mm. Um, so I think about it in terms of you have the CEO, the floor manager, and the factory worker, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and each of these kind of positions corresponds to a certain uh, part of your body involved in the production of cortisol. Yep. Um, so do you have any ideas what the CEO might be? Mate, I reckon it's got to start, uh, you know, H, head, hierarchy. So I reckon the CEO is the hypothalamus. Would I be right there? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, so what's the hypothalamus, right? Mate, uh, well, um, well, the hypothalamus is is the little structure in your brain just under the thalamus, which, like yep. every neurology lecture, that and people people might think I didn't listen to the lectures. I that was just till two weeks before the exam. Like <laughs> I did four or five weeks of neuro eventually. I know Kevin just poops on me because I didn't do neuro at the same time. Anyway, the hypothalamus is this little area under the thalamus, so hypothalamus, yeah. and essentially in a lot of homeostatic mechanisms we're going to see it show up a lot. So the hypothalamus mm. essentially is our, for intents and purposes of this chain of command, it's going to be our chief, and it's going to send that first line, because we love communicating with emails, especially because everyone's been working from home this year. Um, they love sending emails, right? But targeting, they're going to send the emails. The CEO, the head of the department, the hypothalamus, is going to send the emails to middle management. And Kevin, what is that middle management? Exactly. So now we're at the floor manager. So yep. we're in the P of the HPA axis. Yeah. And that is the anterior pituitary. Yeah. So essentially the CEO, he's, as you said, he's regulating homeostasis. So he's yep. kind of pulling the strings in the background. But well, he or she, of, mate. He or she. He, so, I am so sorry. He Let's or go she. Let's go with that. <laughs> I think that is a good one. So he's talking. Oh my god! Okay. She <laughs> so she is talking Infamous to that misogyny. <laughs> so she is talking yeah. to the floor manager, who yeah. is the anterior pituitary, and yeah. that's a kind of um. Is it a gland? I don't want to say something wrong. I yeah, think I'd it's say a gland. So, I'd say um, so. It's a little bit lower down. Yeah. Um. And she, um, I, oh, I guess the floor manager is also a female. Uh, she is also sending out emails, yep. but she's sending out emails to the factory worker, which mm. is the mm. adrenal gland, mm. who's the third bottom tier yep. of this kind of hierarchy. And the factory worker is the one who's actually making the cortisol. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. So do you want to just like summarize that, Dwayne? That yes, yes. Um, so we've got we've got three levels of, of, of action, three levels of command. The H is the leader, the CEO, the head. That's the hypothalamus. They're going to send some emails to the factory manager, which is the anterior pituitary. And in turn, you know how it is, they're going to send emails to the floor workers, the real... You know, the people who are in in the grind, all hands to the pump, greasing the wheel all day, <laughs> which is our adrenal cortex, cortex, all right? So H for hypothalamus, P for pituitary, specifically anterior pituitary, and then the A, which is the adrenal cortex, which which is really in charge of pumping out that uh, that uh, cortisol for us. But, mate, is there, any, is there any sort of level of, like, can the cortisol fight back? Can the cortisol 
shut the situation down because it may be really annoying for these factory workers, the adrenal glands, to just be getting an absolute bombing of emails from, from all the chain of commands above. So is there any way they can unionize and, and fight back? Yes, exactly. So fortunately for our factory workers, for the adrenal gland, it is unionized. So the cortisol that it's producing actually has this thing that we call negative feedback back to the anterior pituitary and the hypothalamus, so to the floor manager and the CEO, um, which will basically downregulate the production of the emails from those two levels. Um, So essentially... Yeah, the more cortisol that gets produced, the more negative feedback, the less emails the mm. hypothalamus and anterior pituitary mm. can send, mm. um, which kind of is a method of self-regulation to stop yep. there ever being like a massive overproduction of cortisol. Yes. That was my understanding. No, and that's brilliant because it's the thing. Look, mate, emails, emails are one of the most... Uh, you know, just overused things in the world. And we all know that, you know, modern day inbox can take a certain amount of emails, but it gets a point even with modern, modern technology and capacity, where if you've just got too many emails, mate, it's just going to go to poop. The whole system's going to break down. So it's really good that our, that our brothers and sisters on the work floor um, really just have this mechanism to look up at the suits in the offices and say, enough is enough. I can't do anymore. <laughs> Shut it down. I'm going. We're picket fencing out. Picket line outside. Not picket fence. Picket line. But outside. you were very. Uh, you you did stress the point that this whole axis is indeed a matriarchy. We just want to. Yes. Uh, make yes. That. Yes. Very stress that point. You yes. Know? So yes. the hypothalamus is indeed a female CEO. That's it. That's it. That's Pretty good detail. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. And while before we slide further into this abyss of offending people. Um, shall we Shall we quickly move on to what we, we... Now that we've laid the table, it's time to serve up some meat, I reckon. We've laid the table. We put the cutlery out there. There's orange drank uh, and some pickle for everyone. Now we're going to serve it up. So, mate, tell me a little bit about this whole Cushing syndrome situation. Yeah, okay. So Cushing syndrome literally just refers to hypercorticalism. So you just have too much cortisol floating around your body irrespective of the cause and Mm. i think the clear distinction we need to make from the get-go is um you can classify the causes of cushing syndrome um into two major categories Mm. so and those two categories are called primary and secondary hypercorticalism so um all the primary and secondary referred to is the source of the kind of pathology. So in primary hypercorticalism or primary Cushing syndrome, um, the pathology lies in the actual adrenal gland itself. So the actual factory worker has mm. gone haywire. He's gone, mm. you know, he's gone AWOL. He's, he's gone rogue. So there's some kind of issue there. Whereas with secondary hypercorticalism or secondary um, Cushing syndrome, Mm -hmm. um, it's all about the emails. So Mm -hmm. there are there are all these emails stacking up in the factory workers box and inbox, and he's you know he's just following orders. He's mass producing cortisol, um, even though the source of those emails there might be something a bit dodgy going on there, Mm -hmm. basically. 
Mm, um, mm. How does that sound to you, Dwayne? That sounds good, you know. And I think we want to we want to uh, stress that what we're talking about here, i.e., the 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 workhorse down the bottom, either the adrenal gland going rogue, or just the preponderance of ridiculous emails from either in that chain or from external chains, they're all examples of endogenous causes, isn't it, Kevin? They're endogenous causes of Cushing's. So this endogenous means it's coming from within the body. It's coming from within the body. It's coming from within the factory that all these workers are working in, right? But still, we need to remember, and although we're going to focus mainly on endogenous causes, the main cause of Cushing's syndrome is exogenous, i.e. it's coming from outside the body. And the best most clear-cut examples is when patients are on oral steroids. We're talking about dexamethasone. We're talking about prednisolone. Now, these are, for reasons that we mentioned, immune crusher. These drugs, these medications are very widely used for a number of pathologies. I'm talking about uh, inflammatory situations and the treatment of cancer and uh, the treatment of asthma. You know, everywhere you turn these days, Either DEX or PRED is a cornerstone, if not first line or second line therapy, at least. So you've got to remember with patients being on steroids and even with a dose long term, um, this is always going to be a consideration, right? So although we're going to focus on endogenous causes, we do want to say, disclaimer, the number one cause that you always want to rule out is, is this patient taking steroids um, that could be causing this Cushing syndrome. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So, um, yeah, thanks for jumping in with that, Dwayne. Actually, because mm. that's, I think, the most common cause of Cushing mm. is mm. someone's just mm. their medication isn't being, you know, dosed properly. Yes. Yes. Um, okay. So, in terms of the endogenous causes, so we mentioned the primary and the secondary. Yep. So. Yep. With primary uh, Cushing syndrome, where there's an issue with the actual factory worker himself, the mm. adrenal gland, there's something wrong. Mm. Um, it's wherever you have this kind of hyper proliferation of the adrenal gland and yep. you pr- just have basically way more cells than normal producing cortisol. So I think the most no- uh, common cause is an adrenal adenoma. So mm-hmm. just a benign tumor in yep. your adrenal gland. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can also have things like um, just hyperplasia as well, mm-hmm. not even a tumor, just nodular hyperplasia. Yep. And the rare cause is a carcinoma, in which yep. case you have other issues to worry about as well. Yes, yes. Um, what about secondary Cushing's? Yeah, so, so what you just mentioned, uh, mate, yeah. in terms of uh, endogenous, that makes up about 5 to 10%, I think, adrenal causes, isn't it? So, the so primary, yes, yeah, the primary yes. makeup. Yeah, so yes. it's pretty niche, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, but, but if we're talking about the meat of endogenous causes, mm. and, and especially with the secondary uh, stuff, we're talking about something where that middle management, that middle management is just pumping out emails with with just no <laughs> understanding of etiquette right so what we're talking about here is a pituitary adenoma now a pituitary adenoma is a benign tumor that grows on that pituitary gland that second chain of command that we talked about and it is pumping out the emails it is pumping out ACTH and because of that a lot more emails that are requiring action that are almost forcing action from our floor workers from our adrenal glands this makes up, it's very common, it makes up 75% of endogenous causes, right? So essentially, you've got a benign tumor 
at the pituitary gland, you're going to have increased ACTH or email secretion, and that's going to go and charge up both your adrenal glands to start pumping out this cortisol. Um, yeah, so that's that's a that's a mess of emails coming from the same chain of command, and I think that's what we want to stress about because Kevin's mm. now going to talk about very soon the other you know little little caveat to this part of secondary hypercortisolism. Yeah, before I do that, though, I just want to say that um, because the one Dwayne just mentioned is 75% of cases, mm. um, I, it's basically got its own name. So that's the one they call Cushing disease. As ah, opposed to yes. yes. Yeah, because yes. it's such a big deal. Like most people will have this one. Mm. Um, and, yeah, the way I just think about it is this is where you have that really kind of belligerent our manager who's just gone yeah he's gone crazy and just yep. filling up the inbox of that factory worker so yep. yeah so that's the real important one yep. and then another kind of less important one which still comes under the umbrella of secondary cushing syndrome yep. is um it's called ectopic acth production yeah and um all that means is instead of the um manager mass producing all these emails and sending them down to the factory worker mm. um you have basically someone else has set up shop in the building yes. got hold of the, they've got hold of the email of yeah. the poor factory worker yeah and they've gone you know what i'm gonna start sending him emails yes. and make him produce some cortisol as well yes. Yes. so and they like when i say set up somewhere else in the building i kind of mean there's some tumor somewhere mm. in your body mm. that has started proliferating and mm. for whatever reason is producing um emails yeah. so um, yeah. Yeah. the classic one i think is uh small cell lung cancer will do yes. this yes um and there's a whole range of other cancers like renal cell carcinoma mm. i think mm. i can't think of the other ones but mm. again th so this will be like 15 percent of cases so yeah. it's you know it's nothing to sneeze at like you definitely should be aware of it mm. um but just to summarize, so I think there were kind of three main categories within yep. the primary and secondary Cushing syndrome. So mm. within, so there's the primary Cushing syndrome, which is, you know, your factory workers off the rails, your adrenal gland is just hyper proliferating for whatever reason. Mm. Um, and that was like 10%. Then your secondary Cushing syndrome, there's two main types. You've got the Cushing disease, which is where your manager has kind of got much too zealous and is abusing the poor factory worker with emails. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. the big deal one. That's 75%. Mm -hmm. And then 15% is that ectopic production where you've got a tumor somewhere else in your body that's decided they want to join the party and yeah. starts bullying the factory worker as well. Yeah. Um, and I bet and I bet I know what's gone wrong here, mate. Is that and I we were talking about this the other day. The one feature I hate about emails, especially when you're in an email with a big group, is those absolute trumpets that click the reply all button for no <laughs> reason. And all of a sudden, and you reply all, and they don't even put the other people's emails on like BCC or CC. So all of a sudden now, not only do I have emails, but I have access to everyone's email address, right? So this is, what oh. this is what's happened, right? The small, small cell lung cancer, mate. Like the lung has no right being involved with these emails. <laughs> like all of a sudden, you know, Billy Big Bollocks sitting in the office over there has got has got the emails of these factory workers and, and, <laughs> and is just inundating them with ridiculous requests that always end with, and could you please release some cortisol?
So I, I, I just don't like emails in general, and I hope Gmail fixes it up. Legit, he's got that automatic signature set up yes. at the end of the email. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And, and they've got an email template, and they've got a letterhead, and it's all printable in color. I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> oh man, we always take these way too far. Okay, um, <laughs> uh, clinical features. I think we should get on to Dwayne. Yes, yes what does someone with Cushing syndrome? Yes. Like, what do they look like? What makes you think? I think this person's factory workers are working too hard. Yeah, yeah. Well, well. Look, we talked about and we presented immune crusher IMMC right mm. at the right at the outset, um, and, and we want to bring it. Like we said, think about what's normal. And now with heaps of cortisol, all the normal effects of cortisol, and in some ways were beneficial, is now just going to go too far, right? So mm. with the eye, the immune, the immunosuppression is real, my guy. You know, like cortisol has just shut everything down and it's not letting anything start up again, right? So because of this, what are you going to see? You're going to see a suppressed immune response. So as a result of that, you're going to see an increased risk of infection. Yeah? Mm. You're going to see if, if your patient has wounds, you're going to see slow healing wounds because the immune system is not just about shutting things down, but it's actually about rebuilding things back up as well. Mm-hmm. So you're going to see wounds that 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 are, are healing very slowly, very abnormally slowly. Now, what really I thought was very interesting is the fact that if you do blood tests, you're going to actually see an increase in neutrophils, so neutrophilia, but you're going to see a decrease in lymphocytes. All right, But mm-hmm. the main thing we want you guys to take away from the immune aspect of Cushing's is the fact that the immunosuppressive response is turned up way too much. As a result of that, wounds that a patient heals, uh, that patient has rather, is going to heal very slowly and uh, the patient is going to be at risk of infection, an increased risk of infection. Um, yeah, my internet dropped out as oh, per usual, right on right, time. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> so uh, did, you, did you keep babbling on or, or what was the deal? No, I figured you would finish off uh, talking about the immune yes, effect. I, felt I finished exactly. the immune thing and then I waited politely, okay. but I heard no response. So I started crying. <laughs> yeah, crying. just with that neutrophilia thing, though. Yeah. Like the way I think about if your immune system's like a, you know, Napoleonic army, um, <laughs> I think, <laughs> I don't know why I think about it like this, but yeah. um, I feel like the neutrophils are like the infantry. Um, mm. Like the ground guys with the, yeah. I don't know, do they have like spears? I don't, they're, I don't like know what they're like foot soldiers, aren't they? They're foot like soldiers, foot yeah. And then the lymphocytes I see is like the cavalry. Yeah. Um, you kind of wait a little bit before you send them in. So, yeah, yeah um, with um, hypercorticalism, you kind of have heaps of infantry but no cavalry. Mm. um is the way i see it um Mm. but yeah just in general your immune response is pretty dampened so your army is looking kind of thin (laughs) essentially um anyway moving on so if we go down that immune crusher thing uh so we talked about next we talked about the metabolic effects of um cortisol and they this really does cause a lot of symptoms when you start having too much cortisol um, and it's quite interesting um, because we talked about the fact that cortisol as part of that um, grand effort to mobilize energy for your central system, it'll stimulate lipolysis, 
Um, so you do get fat breakdown, but the thing is, um, your adipocytes, so your fat storing cells, they mm. act in your like central body, so in your axial body, um, they actually have less receptors for cortisol than your mm. peripheral body. So if we mm. kind of go through this, what that means is if so your your body's stressed or whatever on well not really your body's not stressed you've just got heaps of cortisol floating mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. if there are more receptors for it to act on peripheral peripherally so like in your arms and legs than yep. in your central central body what that means is you're going to get greater lipolysis in like your arms than you are in your trunk and your neck and your face so ultimately what that means is um kind of there's this redistribution of energy and so redistribution of fat from your peripheral limbs uh, well your peripheral body to the axial parts of your body so we're talking your neck your face and your trunk um they'll they they'll um kind of pack on a lot more weight so the classic analogy that's used is the person will look like a lemon on sticks, which mm. isn't the most politically correct no, term. No. But I think it is quite a potent image in terms of the fact <laughs> that all their fat kind of exoduses from their limbs and sets up camp in the Israel that is their tri- <laughs> that is your trunk. <laughs> you know? And the people of God said, Amen. That was good. That was good. I enjoyed that. So, so they look like a lemon on sticks, and oh. their the other classic is they'll have a moon face. So, yep. a lot of their fat will kind of set up shop in their face as well. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anything else to add, Dwayne? No, mate. That was that was good. <laughs> that was good. Um, and just one thing, and I think you may have mentioned it, but there were two birds having a fight outside my window, so I had to close my window. Um, <laughs> no, sorry about that. Just New Zealand guys. Um, but no, I think, I think you mentioned, and I think before, but is that is that with this mobilization of fat, and with the fact that cortisol wants to release as much glucose into the central system, is that idea that your patient is always gonna, almost gonna develop sort of like the secondary diabetes sort of situation right there's just so much there's so much new glucose being produced from whichever sources and also that insulin resistance that came and talked about at the outset it's going to exacerbate the things so that we're going to have secondary diabetes and going straight on to the and i'm going to combine the m and c of immune crusher came i'm going to combine okay. the m and c so remember the m was for mineralocorticoid the c was for the catecholamine situation Now, both of these are going to combine, obviously, individually, but they're going to combine, and they're going to result in the patient having hypertension, hypertension, Mm -hmm. or about 90% of patients with Cushing's will have some level of hypertension. So, let's go through this. We -hmm. talked about mineralocorticoids being uh, being the cousin, aldosterone being sort of the potentially... potentially some dodgy stuff has gone on and and they are structurally analogous cortisol and aldosterone so what happens heaps of cortisol when it's in high concentrations Kevin, it's going to go and bind to aldosterone like receptors and what it's mm-hmm. going to do is it's going to promote reabsorption of sodium in the kidneys and therefore water is going to follow through right because water wants to be salty so water is going to follow through now Already the patient, because as a result of this, they're going to be in a hyperbolemic state. They're going to be holding on to more fluid. Their fluid balance is in the positive. 
their circulating mm-hmm. volume has gone up, which means their stroke volume's gone up, which means their cardiac output is up, and that's going to be one contributing arm to the hypertension. Okay, so the mm-hmm. mineralocorticoid, high cortisol goes and binds on these mineralocorticoid receptors, water retention, hypertension. Mm-hmm. On the flip side of this coin is the catecholamine thing. And you said earlier, Caven, uh, that cortisol has a permissive effect on these alpha-1 receptors on arterioles. So it increases mm-hmm. sensitivity to noradrenaline and adrenaline. So as a result of that, what's going to happen? We're going to have a greater degree of vasoconstriction. So therefore now your resistance to the blood flow is going to go up. And we know on one side we've got cardiac output that's gone up. And on the outside, we've got to- on the other side, rather, we've got total peripheral resistance that's gone up. So these two combine, and as a result, which is why you see in ninety percent of Cushing's patients, they're going to have hypertension. So a combination of the M and a combination of the C. And in fact, you know, a little bit of stats for you here, Kevin, because we all know you like you love your stats like you love a just a tenuous metaphor. <laughs> the, most, the most common cause of mortality in Cushing syndrome is cardiovascular events. You know, and people mm-hmm. with Cushing's are about four times, or rather nearly four times more likely to have a cardiovascular re- reason for their mortality as compared to the general population. And we can see why. We know that hypertension is such a systemic issue and it affects so many different systems. So if you have a a homeostatic state, which is promoting hypertension, which is sustaining hypertension, you're going to see why it's going to be a huge issue for people with Cushing mm-hmm. syndrome. Exactly. Because people are usually more concerned with the cosmetic effects that Cushing syndrome has, mm-hmm. which I'm not trying to you know downplay that, but the yep. real issue here is the hypertension because as yep. we've talked about in the past, hypertension is kind of the root of all cardiovascular evil from like, yeah. you know, strokes yeah. to, um, what do you call it? Like uh, heart attacks and yeah. all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that was very well explained, Dwayne. Excellent. Learned a little bit there. <laughs> yeah, well, like I said, this was, this is just, I wish I knew this before the exam. That's all I said. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's quite a few other like effects as well. You get a whole little like constellation going. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, for example, but they all come back to, um, you know, that IMMC. So, yeah. I'll just speed run through a few of them. Yes. So, for yes. example, we talked about how you get all this protein breakdown mm-hmm. um so that would come under the metabolic part um and so you have a lot of protein in your skin actually this uh, there's pro- collagen right mm-hmm. and if your body starts breaking that down your skin gets really thin and fragile and easily bruised so you mm-hmm. get these things called striae um and bruising and if you don't know what a striae looks like just give it a google image yeah. uh, these kind of unsightly purple lines yeah um yeah uh anything else Dwayne? Okay. uh mate the only thing i want to mention is that and we're not quite sure why and there's a bit of there's a bit of uh you know a bit of a uh, rat-tat-tat amongst the academics as to why this happened consternation yeah. a bit of a brouhaha <laughs> whatever you want but there is some understanding that cortisol uh can inhibit uh vitamin d synthesis uh calcium mm. synthesis um, and we know that calcitriol, vitamin D synthesis is a is a huge player 
um, in terms of uh, calcium homeostasis, in terms of maintaining your bones, etc. So yeah, if you're going to have an issue with vitamin D synthesis, then you're going to have an increased chance of osteoporosis and fractures. So, so like I say, this is this is you know this is the 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 sizzle, the onion, the relish, the garlic relish on top of the meat. The meat we want you guys to take away with is the IMMC, the immune, the metabolic stuff, the mineralocorticoid stuff, and the catecholamine stuff. Hundred percent. Um, oh yeah. And just before we move away from clinical features, I just wanted to mention that in Cushing disease, so not Cushing syndrome, Cushing disease, which is that specific type of Cushing syndrome where, um, you have that really zealous belligerent, a kind of sales manager in the middle management who's abusing the factory worker with emails in that specific type um, you get some additional symptoms, um, which yep. I like to think of as um, you become brown and bushy. So, um, <laughs> so what I mean by that is... Are you talking is, about yourself, Caleb? Yeah. <laughs> this is you, bro. Yeah, maybe I should get checked. Um, <laughs> so um, the brown uh, is you get hyperpigmented skin and yep. that's... Basically, because your melanocytes get stimulated because um, you have this increased level of the ACTH precursor home- hormone, mm. Um, mm. which mm. happens to also stimulate melanocytes. This is pretty non-meaty. Just know yep. that they go brown, I guess. Yep. Um, and the other thing is the bushiness um, in that they will develop uh, hirsutism if they're a female, so kind of like male sexual characteristics and vigorous hair growth yeah. and that's because um remember that in cushing disease um it's uh, the issue is happening a bit further up the supply chain in that the issue is that that manager is releasing uh way too many emails and yeah. those, those emails are actually a hormone called acth yeah, I don't know if we mentioned that earlier. Maybe I we should. We slightly did, but now everyone's going to be like, "Yeah, man, the, the CEO <laughs> sending the emails," and it's someone else didn't even know. But, but I think we have mentioned. Yeah, so the emails that the middle management is sending is called ACTH, and mm. the thing about that is ACTH kind of stimulates a lot of your adrenal cortex, not just mm. the part stimulate, not just the part making. Co- cortisol because your adrenal cortex actually isn't a one-trick pony it produces Mm. a few things Mm. and one of the other things it produces is androgens so like male sex hormones right so if your old mate up in middle management's uh shooting off emails at your adrenal gland um you know it's not just cortisol that's going to be produced Mm. um you're Mm. also going to get more male sex hormones hormones being produced so that's why and male sex hormones you know i think the ones produced by the adrenal gland they get worked on a bit further Mm. if you're a male Mm. in the testes but i Mm. think the idea is yeah obviously if you have more androgens floating around you're gonna get that hair growth and that hirsutism yeah anyway just think brown and bushy brown Brown and bushy my boy and lemon on sticks that was the other (laughs) so lemon on sticks is the more traditional thing but but also you can have a bit of brown and bushy if it's mm. a pushing disease situation. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Um, diagnostics, Dwayne, tell yeah, me mate, about it. Let's fly into it. So yeah. 
like we said, the first thing to rule out of this is that is there an exogenous store, a source of this Cushing's? So very simple. If you're if you're suspecting Cushing's, ask your patient, are you on any oral steroids? Because if they are on oral steroids, most of the time, and I would say about 83.75% of the time, if not more, that's probably the source of what's going on. Okay? Mm. But now we're going to focus on just talking about the diagnos- diagnosis rather of the endogenous causes that we talked about earlier, right? So is it adrenal? Is it the, is it the pituitary adenoma? Is it the Cushing's disease? Or is it Billy, uh, uh, the, the, oh, I was going to say Billy Big Bollocks. No, but is it the small cell lung cancer that is pumping out ectopic acetone? So the first thing you want to do is, man, check your cortisol. If your cortisol is elevated, it implies Cushing's, okay? Mm. That's the first thing you want to do. And then you want to confirm, mate, is there a pathology, right? So you're going to do something called the low-dose dexamethasone suppression test. That's a mouthful, low-dose dexamethasone suppression test. Essentially, now with, with, with measuring the cortisol, there are some funny ways that you can do it. You can do a urinary level, you can do a blood level, you can do a salivary level. But however you've got it now, you know, yo, his cortisol is real high or her cortisol is real high. You give the low dose at night, I believe. And in the morning, you have a look at what's going on. And if there is suppression, if there is suppression after the low dose dex test, that indicates that there's no pathology. Mm. But if there is no suppression, this is going to indicate that there is a pathology, there is something wrong. And now we've got to take that next step and the next step and the next step to work out what what is the what is the cause of it, right? So check the cortisol, it's high, they've got Cushing's, low dose dex test. If it's suppressed, the cortisol is suppressed, there's no pathology because everything's working fine. If there is no suppression, that means oh hold on, we've got to do some more investigation. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of that first step of just making sure they actually have something causing a Cushing syndrome. Uh, So there's two tests, just checking Mm -hmm. the cortisol and the low-dose dex test. Um, I am actually not sure if they always do both of them because I think either of them kind of implies that you have Cushing syndrome. But So I don't want to pass comment on that, but I think they, like, obviously they're both very real options. Um, So that's the first step. So you know they've got Cushing's um, and this whole thing is kind of like a three-step uh, process. So mm. the first step that Dwayne just mentioned was one, check they have Cushing's, check their cortisol or do a low dose DEX test. Um, the second step is you now that you know they have a Cushing syndrome, you want to know if they have a primary or a secondary Cushing syndrome. Yeah. And then the third step is if they have a secondary um, kind of Cushing syndrome, is it the um, ectopic cause, so like that lung cancer, someone else has set up shop in the building, or is it that uh, Cushing disease with that really Mm. belligerent middle management guy just abusing Mm. the worker? So Mm. we talked about step one, which was checking those pathologies. So how do you uh, do step two? How do you differentiate between a primary and a secondary Cushing's doing? Um, Well, look, mate, I think over here at this stage, we're, we're looking at your levels of ACTH, aren't we? We're looking at your levels of ACTH. So you've done that low dex test. There's no suppression. There's a pathology. So if your ACTH levels are low, 
Right, and remember, ACTH is the email that middle management is sending to the floor workers. Okay, and I think we've got to drill in these hormones a little bit because yeah. I'm a little bit worried we've just been talking about in terms of emails. Right, <laughs> if, the, if the ACTH is low, then it's going to be a primary. And remember what Kevin mentioned with primary? This is that, you know, 5 to 10%. This is probably looking like an adrenal focus. The workers have had enough. They've rioted. They've become hyperplastic, <laughs> and they've got a benign or a malignant uh, tumor, or they've just got plain hyperplasia, right? But if your ACTH is high, if the emails is high, then you're saying, ah, this is not an issue of the workers misunderstanding just polite office conversation. There's an issue with middle management. There's an issue with middle management. And in terms of not only middle management, but the fact that they're sending too many emails. So ACTH is low. We want you to think primary cause of hypercorticalism, which is, oh my God, I butchered that word. Primary cause of high cortisol, think adrenal glands. But if the ACTH is high, then we're moving away from the adrenal gland focus and we're thinking about, is this a Cushing's disease? Or is this an ectopic source of ACTH, mm. like our small cell lung cancer? This entire second step of differentiating between primary and secondary Cushing's, in terms of our metaphor, all it is, is HR coming in, looking at the email exchanges <laughs> and being like, so what's going on here? Like, yes. ha has there been yes. a shit ton of emails being sent from middle management to the workers? Yeah. Or, yeah. Have, or have the workers just gone rogue and like no yeah. one's... Like, no one told you to do this, mate. Like, why yes. are you doing this? Yes. So those are the, yeah, maybe I should step away from the emails. I think what, <laughs> the way you explained it was a lot kind of more scientifically relevant. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I just love the the whole factory dynamic. Oh, yeah. It's just a tense time. It's a tense time. And there's COVID <laughs> at the door and no one wants to wear masks and no one's contact tracing. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, so that was the second step. So yeah. let's say you check the ACTH, so you're checking yeah. those middle management emails and you yeah. see there are lots of emails, you see there's yeah. a high level of ACTH. So you mm. go, okay, the problems with middle management, we got them. So it's, yeah. oh no, wait, no, I think I just misinterpreted that. So you go, you check the emails, you see there's heaps of emails, you see there's a high level of ACTH. Yeah. So you go, yeah. okay, the problem... Yeah is a secondary cause. You can't yep. blame middle management just yet because yes. remember, it could yes. be someone else in the building yes. stitching up middle management yes. who's sending emails themselves. So that's the third step now where mm. it's gone, okay, mm. it's yep. coming from somewhere else. It's not the yep. factory workers' fault. Yep. Yep. Who do we blame? Yep. Mm. Who in the mm. building do we blame? Yep. So, so how so do you find HR's, that You're right, mate. HR's come in, they've looked at the factory workers and they've said, you know what, actually, this is not just a riot. There is too many emails. There is too many emails. This is this is bloody ridiculous. I've just got four whilst I've been here waiting to explain this, right? Now I want to work out where it is. So you know what they're gonna say? Let's get let's get a special team in, let's set a trap. Let's set a trap. Ooh. And that trap, mate, is the high dose dexamethasone suppression test. Now we yeah. talked about low dose. That was step one, mate. That was just trying to work out, is there an issue or not? We've gone yeah. past it. The building's on fire. The horse has bolted. The cows are jumping over the moon. Right? <laughs> so at this stage, we're going to give that high dex test. Yeah. Now, where we gave one milligram before, usually now we give something like eight. We give way too much. We give way <laughs> too much, right? Now, and then we see what's going to happen to the level of cortisol. 
again, right? What's going to happen to the level of work, to the grind that those adrenal glands mm-hmm. are out? Now, after giving this high dose, if we see, and this is an arbitrary level, but let's say we see a decrease in cortisol levels to less than 50% of baseline. And baseline in medicine is a really important thing because baseline does not mean textbook levels. Baseline is what is normal for your patient. That is what we mean by baseline because that's all we've got, right? If we see an adequate suppression of cortisol levels to less than 50% of baseline, then we say, oh my God, we should have known because 75% of the time, it's middle management. <laughs> middle management. Right. Absolute fools who are like not full suits, but they want to be suits. So they're like, have that ridiculous how we all dressed up for 21st birthday parties, you know, like smart casual. You wear like jeans and then you wear a dress shirt and then you wear a blazer, but then you wear like chucks. You know, it's like, mate, what are you? Are you common or are you upper class? Like stop, just stop sitting on the fence, right? So it's going to be, that's going to be Cushing's disease. However, however, if this trap trap does not see a suppression of those cortisol levels, then then HR will put their hand up and be like, yo, man, it wasn't middle management. We all thought it was because three quarters of the time it is. It's actually the small cell lung cancer or something else. That mm. has that is bombing our 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 floor workers with emails, and then so, they have to full on search the building. Then they'll well, be like, "Okay, I mean, let's find the bugger." This is the thing because you can't just go home and say, "Well, look, you know, you go home and you're like, look, mate, we've we've realised it's not middle management, you know." And then people will be like, "Well, what is it?" And you're like, "Oh God, oh <laughs> yeah, exactly." Right. So once again, high dose text is used to work out. What of the secondaries it is? Is it the Cushing's disease, the pituitary adenoma that's on I mean, on the pituitary, or is it an octopic source of, of, of ACTX? So mm-hmm. give the high dose, Dex. If you see a big decrease in cortisol levels, it's the pituitary adenoma. It's a Cushing's disease. However, if you don't see a suppression in cortisol levels, that means that there's another source of ACTH, most commonly a small cell lung carcinoma. Mm. Another way to think about this high-dose DEX test, which I kind of like to think, is what's happening is so you're trying to find out who's sending the emails. So you're going, yeah. is it someone, someone you know, who got access to the email chain who's camped somewhere in the, else in the building, or is it middle management? So yeah. what you do is the CEO, our lovely female CEO, yeah. Um, yeah. descends yeah. from her perch, and yeah. she goes and has a chat to... Um, middle management she goes yeah. look guys stop sending emails for a day and <laughs> i want to see if the emails still pile up so middle that's management it. goes okay i got you yeah. and then they stop yeah. sending emails yeah but if the emails are still piling up oh, then you go, yes. oh it wasn't yes. middle management it was yeah. old mate on the third floor yeah. in the lung yeah. department you know yes, yes. so yes. um Anyway, I've yeah. belabored this point much too much. So no, no, I think it's good. I think this is a powerful, powerful metaphor, and I think that we just got to commit to it because, mate, this is what we do at Media Medicine. We take <laughs> supposedly scientific people who've worked for years to work out cushions, and we've just come here and we've just bastardized their work and made it, made it some office politics situation. You know, so but whatever works, mate. Whatever works. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there is one other test you can do in this third step when you're trying yeah. to find out the yeah. cause of the secondary Cushing's. Um, but I think 
I'll just say it. It's called the CRH stimulation test and yeah. it's a very simi- similar principle. So yeah. look yeah. it up yeah. if you're yeah. interested. Yeah. I think yeah. different hospitals do different tests. Um, it doesn't really matter too much. Absolutely. Um, okay. What do we talk about next, Dwayne? I'm conscious mate, of the I reckon, time. Yes, mate. I reckon, I reckon we now just hit the accelerator. Uh, let's talk about treatment, mate. How are we going to go about things? So we know we've got Cushing's. We probably know where it is, hopefully, by this stage. What are we going to do? Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll talk about the worst case and you talk about the best yep. case. Yep. So good. for the worst case, um, you so usually this is some kind of tumor, right? There's some kind of all these causes are some kind of like hyperplasia or tumor. Yep. So in the worst case, these tumors are located in somewhere that's inoperable. Mm-hmm. So um, sometimes you have like adrenal uh, carcinomas or um, like small cell lung cancers or something mm. that that are inoperable either because I think you can't reach them or just because you know they're so progressed. Yeah, I'm not quite yeah. Sure. no, you're right, you're right. Yeah. You're right. yeah. Um. Anyway, in that case, it you can't actually go in surgically mm. and just cut it out, mm. which mm. would be mm. the logical thing to do. So yeah. what you have to do is you have to use all these fancy drugs to try and suppress the uh, cortisol synthesis. Mm. Mm. And there's a whole range of drugs you can look yep. up um, yep. that do that, essentially. Absolutely. But let's talk about best case, which I think probably happens more yeah. commonly. Yeah, and, and yeah. best case best case is is you can operate, isn't it? That's the best mm. case. And and the thing is that if you can operate, you want to do a localized surgery and get this tumor out. Now, when you think about, when you think about uh, if it's an adrenal tumor, it's much, it's much easier, right? Because you can do a laparoscopic or you can do an open approach. But we know that 75% of the time when we're talking about endogenous sources, it is that pituitary adenoma. And, and mm-hmm. like you can't just scalp someone and, and go and take out this benign tumor. So essentially what you do is you do a really weird procedure. And, and I think people should YouTube this. Um, yeah. And and because and, it's, it's actually – it's one of the few things that our lecturers told us to do and I actually did because <laughs> it, it's fantastic. So essentially they go through the nose. It's called a transphenoidal resection. Because I think the sphenoid bone is like something associated with that region. But anyway, it's it's you go through the nose and essentially you are resecting this benign growth on the anterior pituitary. Okay, and essentially, like Kevin said, you take out the source. You're going to mitigate. You're going to mitigate the issues with the emails, right? Your your HR and your boss go into middle management and they say, look. Why are there 17 people here when we only need eight, right? <laughs> and, and, and they're like, look, that's enough. Let's cut this down. Let's cut this down. Exactly. And in that way, we're going to have less emails going. So there's other ways. There's other ways. Obviously, if it's, in the, if it's in the lung, you can go and do processes to take it out. So remember, Kevin said, best case scenario, it's an operable disease, surgery. You go through the nose for the pituitary. Everywhere else, it's more of a localized process, what we'd call a conventional process. But if it's inoperable, then your focus has to be more on, okay, we know that it's going to, that these growths are going to keep pumping out or try, uh, I guess affecting the pumping out of cortisol. Now let's try and, and, and suppress that whole process. Mm, exactly. Exactly. And again, if it's a primary cause, you do a surgical approach as well. So yeah. you're just yeah. trying to kind of <laughs> like prune the shrubbery or yes. like yes. cut out some of the, um, in the case of the adrenal gland, like cut out yeah. some of the factory workers if there's yeah. some kind of tumor or hyperplasia or yeah. whatever. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's that. Yes. I think we've done a speed run of Cushing syndrome. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I think like that was one of the meatiest concepts I think we learned this year, wasn't it, mate? Is that mm. it's because it's just, it's just, you need to really understand it. People will, people might start poo-pooing us and be like, oh, why did you spend so much time on the normal? Mate, if you don't know the normal, mate, you don't know the abnormal. It's as simple as that, right? Exactly. So, so that's what we've done today. We've taken you through the normal. What does cortisol do? We've then just painted this absolute picture of just, just chaos in the factory. Um, and we've taken you through that stuff. And then we've talked about how does the patient look like with cushions? Why do they look like that? Or why do they present like that? With cushions, we've taken you through the causes. And then the treatment. You, and this is what we do here. We, we're not here for salad. We're not here for garlic bread. We're here for the meat, you know, and, and this is as meaty as they come, but go. Mm, mm. You're definitely not here for the salad. Oh, um, well, I have got nothing left to no. contribute. No. So I'm happy with that. I am going to go eat lunch, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'm does this gonna, happen a lot? I feel like I always say I'm going to go eat lunch. Yeah, and I feel like I, it's because it's post-lunch for me and I'm an aged man at the age of 27. Okay. I always say I'm going to go and have a nap. So I think we just keep it going because we have nothing to do now because exams are done. So you go Amazing. eat lunch, I'll go have a nap, and we'll see you guys next time. For me All too. right. Pleasure talking to you as always, Dwayne. Always, always, brother. We'll see talk soon. 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 Talk soon. Bye. Be safe.